scripture reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'll read verses 1 to 10. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 10. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, for us 116 years, to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those, these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Songs in the Valley, remembering God's blessings. Over the last number of weeks, we've considered the idea of walking with God in different valleys, different valleys of life. Valleys, good times, valleys, challenging times. Here we're told the story of Israel going into the promised land, and they're told that it will be a prosperous place, a prosperous place for them. It mentions valleys there, prosperous valleys of water and provision. And um, so today we're thinking in terms of what does it mean to walk with God in our valleys and perhaps prosperous valleys, good valleys. So that may be your experience or not right now. That's the challenge. Good valleys or hard valleys, wilderness or prosperity. So that's how we have to hear this, this piece. I was reminded of this uh, when we were in Bolivia. And um, we were traveling. I was with the team there recently, if you're visiting. I've been going down to Bolivia for a number of years. And anyway, we were driving from Sucre, the city of Sucre, which is the legal capital of the, of the entire country, city of history, the oldest university, or actually the first university in South America was founded in Sucre. So it's a wonderful place, lots of history. So we were moving, traveling from Sucre to Cochabamba, and we came across this, uh, this valley, and the valley just stretched. It just went on and on and on. It traveled. You can see the Andean mountains in the, 
in the background, and here is an Andean plateau. So we're sitting at around 10,000 feet here. And the valley is there, stretching out. I, you know, I have a long a history of my own childhood when I was in grade two at Pape Avenue Public School. For some reason, way back then, we were doing a section on Bolivia. And I remember still the little uh, adobe, little adobe huts they had and so on. And I was, I was thinking, wow, where is this place, Bolivia? Like I'm in grade two, right? I thought of that later as we come. Here we are so many years later. That was my first introduction. So anyway, they mentioned plateaus. I didn't know it would look like that. But anyway, those uh, animals you see there are not cattle. They are apacas and llamas, mostly llamas, actually. Look at them all. Thousands of llamas. They just went and went and went. And when I was seeing that, I was thinking of this song, uh, He Owns the Cattle on a Thousand Hills. If you've grown up in the church, you remember that one? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The wealth in every mine, so on. And here he owns the llamas on a thousand hills. So it just was kind of cool. Uh, a reminder of prosperity in the valleys. And there's one just for good measure. Shows that we actually did see one. <laughs> we saw bunches of them. They would be crossing the roads in front of us and we'd have to stop as they were doing their thing. So anyway. Fun. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 is, is the connection with uh, Deuteronomy 6 through 8. So Old Testament scholars good friend of mine, John Kessler, who just passed away up at Tyndale, uh, would talk about Deuteronomy chapter 6, 7, and 8 as really the core of the entire Old Testament. So if you want to begin to know the Old Testament, start right here. Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8. We're looking at chapter 8 today, but 6 is what we know as the Shema. Shema is the verb to hear. Hear, O Israel... The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Those of the Jewish tradition who live in Toronto, and we have a, a lot of folks in the Jewish tradition, read the Shema, say the Shema every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so when we hear the Shema, we're thinking of three um, verbs really there. Next part, recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Three parts, to hear, to love, and to share. So the Shema is to hear God's word, to express God's word and love to others. And then specifically here, it is to share and share with your family, share with your children. Share what that word is, to hear, to love, to share. So that hasn't changed too much, has it, from where we are today? Pretty much still the same verbs, to hear God's word, to show love to others, and to share. And so from there, we move on to Deuteronomy 8, and we have this command to remember. 
This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you in these 40 years in the wilderness. So 40 years. We've been together here now for 116 years, almost three times that. 40 years is considered a generation in Old Testament writings. So we go 116, that's three generations. We're moving into our fourth generation. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. So that's where the writer begins. Folk believe that Moses wrote the, the Pentateuch, perhaps. If not, it was certainly through him. So a call to remember, all right? So we've been remembering today. We're invited to remember in our own faith journey. Interesting here as we begin, you is plural. I encourage you, all of you, all of us are involved in that. And the word today embraces all time. So you and I are part of this story when we read Deuteronomy 8. We are invited to remember you today. So you today might not feel like you're in a valley of prosperity. You might feel more like you are in the wilderness. Israel is in the wilderness at this point. So whatever your experience, whatever mine, you today are invited to remember. And remember God's goodness. You today. So do we look to the Lord? What is God saying to you? What does he say when he says to remember? You today. Muiwa, you didn't want to tell us how old you are, big guy. 55. Oh, you didn't have to tell me. <laughs> I, won't, I won't repeat it. I'll, I'll let you repeat that. Older than 25. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, 25. Do you mind? I'm just going to turn around for one moment. Do you mind? My belt is too loose. <laughs> All right. Sorry. There you go. I'm, I'm being distracted by it, and I don't like that. All right. Okay. I'm now buckled up. Okay, good. <laughs> Maybe when I've been in Bolivia, I've lost some weight. What do you think? You lost weight? Maybe I lost weight too. Sasha's lost weight. Actually, I poked him in the gut recently, this morning, and he, he needs to eat a little more. You? You talk to him? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> he burns it off. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Anyway, you today, you remember. You remember God's goodness. That's where we're at, right? Can we remember God's goodness even when we may feel like we're in the wilderness? Hmm. Can we do that? To remember our experience. To look back and to hear God's voice. It's interesting with time, eh? You can, you can look back and remember a scene. And you can see the other person's eyes still. You can see that moment. You can see the response. Can you not? 
They say that in your last days, your, you know, your whole life trans goes before you. I, 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 I think that could easily happen. Because you can see, even now, you can remember, remember, remember. I remember walking up the stairs at Humber College when I was a music student. I remember that. I had to face some challenging times. I had to walk up. I remember, Lord, help me in this. It was just like it happened yesterday. 22 years old. So we can indeed remember. You remember. And how do we hear and remind ourselves of God's goodness in those days, right? Because you don't forget them. They're part. They're embedded in your mind and your heart. To remember. And not forget during the times of prosperity. When's it, when, when do you reach out to God more? Sometimes we reach out in our times of need. And then in our times of prosperity, we can kind of settle in and forget. It doesn't have to be that way, but often it kind of goes that way. In your prosperity, maybe you forget. And that's what Moses, the writer, is saying, and he's encouraging them, don't forget because you're going into this new land, it's going to be a good land, and you can forget what God has been doing. We're moving into a new phase in these next few years with the church. Well, we want to keep remembering God's blessing, right? Remember God's presence. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, the land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters, welling up in the valleys and hills. There's our reference to the valleys. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping, failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. You today. We today need to hear. So there is a temptation to forget in our times of prosperity. Maybe we don't turn to God quite as much as perhaps we did. So do we maintain our vision both in the wilderness and in times of prosperity? So I don't know if you're here and you know you're 30 years old or you're 40 years old, what's, what's, what's the wilderness for you? If you live longer, then probably you can think of a variety of wilderness experiences. But as I said, 22 at Humber College, I was experiencing some wilderness there. So wilderness or prosperity, do we hear God's voice? Will we keep trusting? Jesus puts it this way, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Keep abiding in my love. Keep remaining in my love. Stay in that place through all your days. Early days, old days, keep abiding in my love. So God loves you. That we know for sure, does he, do we not? God loves you. We want at least to know that. Craigie says, facts may still be remembered in a literal sense, but they have ceased to be a part of a living memory of the reality of God, who no longer seems to be a living and real presence. That is what we want. We want God to be a living and real presence. God is not just an idea. God is not just an abstraction. Religion is not just an idea. 
can be that. But we're invited to a living and real presence of God with you, day in and day out. Will I hold on to God in that way? A real, living presence in my reality, in your reality, no matter what that might be. Just finished watching a very good series. It's called All the Light That We Do Not See, right? All the Light That We Cannot See. And of course, it's, it's just four parts. It's, it's very wonderful. I encourage you to look at it, right? I can confidently say, check that out. All the light that we cannot see. And one of the main protagonists is a, a blind girl. And she's being, she ends up working for the French resistance in, in a way. But the title, All the Light That We Cannot See. God's truth, God's goodness to us, God's love to us. Will we keep looking to God? And so her invitation is to keep looking ultimately for goodness. Doesn't really mention God in the movie as such. But hope, trust, confidence. All the light that we cannot see. Dave works in the lighting business, and we, all, we know, right, that we only see a little spectrum of light. There is the reality that so much light we do not see. So God as a living, real presence, right? That's the invitation for you and for me, and that you have to work at. You have to make that happen in your life. You have to wake up and say, God, are you there for me today? Are you there? I want to check in. You got to make it real, right? You got to engage. Not just an idea. Jesus, get Jesus on the phone, man. Give him a call. Jesus, I want to talk to you today. Whatever analogies you want, you want to, you want to engage God as a living, real presence. That's the invitation. Remember, he goes on to the word reflect. Let's just look at this text. He humbled you by letting you hunger and then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, were acquainted in order, here we go, to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's a famous statement. Live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So we remember and we are called to reflect. Remember God's goodness in your life and then to reflect on that. Don't forget it. So remember God's word. Stay in God's word. Reflect on God's word. This is what the scribes of the Old Testament did, right? The Pharisees, scribes, that's, that, that, that was their job. Read the word and reflect on the word. Jesus obviously did a lot of that. He's called a rabbi, rabbi, teacher. So Jesus reflected a ton on God's word as he had it. Scrolls. And to remember and reflect even in the hard times. The Bible calls that discipline. Even in those times that you maybe are experiencing discipline. Know that in your heart, that as a parent, 
As a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. We don't like to think of that necessarily. We don't think of God somehow disciplining us. But the, the, uh, the reality is, is God cares for you. He loves you. And in some way, he does exactly that. He cares enough that he will shape your life in some way. When you look at it, you might, you might not think it's discipline, or if you do, you might not even like it. God, stop disciplining me. But God loves you. He cares for you. And in some way, he reaches out, and, and the Bible calls that discipline. You discipline your children in some way, right? Maybe even grandchildren. You do it for their good. So God reaches out to us, loves us, cares for us. Will we keep looking, trusting, depending? God works for our good. Verse, verse 10 says that in the end, God does everything for our good. Paul says all things work together for good ultimately. Of course, that one is very difficult to catch, right, depending on what's going on. If we're in Gaza right now, we're probably not thinking that all things work together for good. But in some way, God is there for us in the midst of it all. All the light that we do not see is set in the end of World War II in France and bombing. If you were in that city that's pictured there and it's being bombed, you know, you would be saying, God, where are you? The Americans are coming to liberate, that's good, but the bombs are still falling. So we are called to remember, we are called to reflect. You and I are invited to do that, and our great example, of course, is Jesus. Jesus in the desert, when he is tempted, imagine after 40 long days, the devil comes up to him and knows that he's hungry and says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus has the power to do that. He can do that, but he doesn't. And his response is exactly this. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's interesting, there are three temptations, and Jesus responds every time with citing the book of Deuteronomy. So he knows this book. And he says to the devil, the evil one, I won't do that. What does he mean by that? What does he mean when he says, I, I, we have to live, depend, and lean? It means he wants and he will continue to trust in God. He won't turn the stones into bread, even though he can, because that's not depending and trusting in God at this point. He won't do it. That is incredible. Can you imagine 40 days in the desert with no food? No food. You are absolutely starving. Absolutely. I mean, I can't even, I have no idea what that means. You go for a 10-day retreat and they cut you back on your food, so you only eat breakfast and lunch and nothing after that. Even 10 or 12 days of that seems hard. Here we got 40 days of zip. And he is able to say, I will not turn the stones into bread. I mean, that, that's amazing. And that's God's incarnation of Christ. 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 He does that. He's able to do that. He is our leader. He leads us. 
So yeah, get Jesus on the phone, man. Talk to him every day because he's the one who's our example. Look to him. In every possible challenging situation, look to him. Listen for him. Listen for the Spirit's voice in your heart and mind. Three temptations. Be relevant, be powerful, be spectacular. Be relevant, be powerful, be spectacular. Those were temptations for Jesus. A temptation only has something if there's some draw to it. If there's no draw to it, it's not a temptation. You just say, well, that's silly. I don't need that. It's nothing. Big deal. When Jesus is tempted, there's something in this that gets to him. Be relevant. Be powerful. Be spectacular. And he says no. So he's our model. So we need to keep looking to him, trusting him. Today, you today, what, what, what's it about? Where you're at and your scarcity or your abundance, what is Jesus saying to you? Keep listening, you today. Marianne's a chaplain at the Humber Hospital, right? Like one, as far as I know, the biggest hospital in, in Canada. So what's God saying to you today? You today. Love and obey. There you go. Love and obey. You today. We could go all around the room, right? What is he saying to you today? What is he saying for me today? What does he say to our church on our 116th anniversary? What's his word to you? What's his word to us? We need to hear, respond, and keep being a light for God in this community, hopefully another 116 years. But in the meantime, in your life, in your family, whatever the details are, Jesus is there for you, for me. Get him on the line. Talk to him. Know him. A living presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.